Yeah, I think um, I just think it's a you know it's a massive sort of finger at the bum for f- those owners. <laughs> um. Yo, what's going on? Welcome back to the Bolf Podcast. I'm here as always with my esteemed co-host BBK. How you doing, bro? I'm very well, thank you. How are you yourself? I'm not too bad. It's been uh, well, it's been kind of a boring week in football. Can't really think of much to talk about. Can you, bro? No, it's just the same old, same old. You know, it's just been a couple of games here and there. I'm just been a bit bored, really. Yeah. I suppose Schalke got relegated, didn't they? Yeah, I saw that Schalke got uh, relegated. I know what we can talk about. Did you hear about a bunch of billionaires trying to sell off the Premier League? Now you mention it, uh, I might, I might have heard it. So this podcast, of course, after our poor attempt at comedy, there is going to be purely based on the Super League and what the hell has cracked off in the last. What three days? <laughs> it's felt like longer. It's it started really quick and uh, you know built up and it's just already dead. Hmm. So, I mean, I would say for those who don't know, but who doesn't know? Um, but for those who don't know, BBK, what has actually happened in the last few days? Are we sure on the best to explain this? Definitely. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to interrupt, but whilst editing this, I've noticed that what you are about to hear is the most poetic and most beautiful way that you will ever hear the story of the Super League described. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> um, okay, so all right, uh, buckle your seatbelts. Uh, story time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, once upon a time, there were six, mainly six. We, you know, we'll focus this on the English side of it. Uh, there were six sort of owners and they one day they were feeling a bit poor uh so they came up with a, a bit of a scheme to sort of get guaranteed money every season and that was this thing as we all know called the ESL which is the European Super League and with this they would be in a league with a bunch of other teams and they would never be relegated from this competition, uh, the uh, the six teams uh, from England, you all know as were uh, Chelsea, uh, Manchester City, Tottenham, Arsenal, and the two ringleaders of them, Manchester United and Liverpool. So obviously these uh, billionaires did want to get rich quick, and the main slimy billionaire was of course Florentino Perez of Real Madrid who was heading it all off obviously the concept being you put yourself like BBK said you put yourself in a league where you can't get relegated and there's a guaranteed few billion pounds just for kind of existing Um, obviously I think the first thing we've got to look at is you know the first thing you always have to look at with these kind of situations is why I'd say it's pretty obvious why these teams kind of are the way they are and, and wanted this money is obviously all the clubs are in debt. You enter this Super League for one year and you can pay off most of your debt and kind of get yourself a bit more settled for the future. So, at a totally non-footballing financial sense, is what they did pr- pretty sensible, actually, when you think about it. Um, well, I mean, if you, if, oh, <laughs> if, you look, <laughs> if you look at it from a financial sense with, you know, no football in history, no football 
to the side of it, then yes, you can't see what they're doing wrong. But obviously, they are all the owners of a football club that have got, you know, are all very historic. They've all took pride on, you know, competition, winning things, the the history of the club, and of course, the main thing, the fans. Um, but with all what with what all these six clubs did, they you know they they forgot all aspects of their club, the history, the fans, and they all just wanted more money. Exactly, and I mean, you know, I've seen some fairly fairly famous quotes from some some individuals. You look at um, Joe Glazer, the Manchester United owner, and his famous quote was, of course, "After I bought Manchester United, it took me two years to understand the offside rule." Now, I'm not saying that to be an owner of a football club, you have to have an in-depth knowledge of the rules, but some of the basics would help, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. just little things like that where it's just American billionaires trying to Americanize the biggest assets in the UK, pretty much, which are you know, which are football teams. There's very few assets in the in the UK that are worth you know the billions and billions of pounds that that these these football clubs are are um, are worth. So obviously. You had Perez from Real Madrid, who was the headhunter of the idea, uh, and he he got involved with the Glazers and with J.P. Morgan, and I think Stan Kroenke was quite big in it as well. Yeah, right? I think uh, um, I think that's FSG, right. the Liverpool owners were also yeah. quite big in it. Yeah. So basically, the, the concept of the competition was there were fourteen teams globally, six from the Premier League. There was Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Juventus, Inter Milan, and AC Milan. Yes. Am I missing anyone? Uh, no, that was the main. They were the main twelve ringleaders. That was it, I think. And then they. they so oh yeah, it's twelve. Yeah, and then they 14. needed three more. They was they were uh, to be called the founding members of this league, um, and then they were gonna try and find three more clubs uh, to be part. And I think realistically, the three more were gonna be. Dort, probably Dortmund, Bayern, and PSG. I don't. I don't think there's any argument really to. Yeah, but I think I think from the start with all this talk, I think um, Dort, those three teams were always against it. Which you know, credit to them. Yeah, well, I mean, in in Germany specifically, there's the fifty plus one rule. In terms of, I'm not entirely sure how it works, but it's basically the ownership, or one individual person can't actually own an entire football club. So some of you know, it's basically saying that someone can own forty nine percent, but the fans and whoever else can own the fifty plus one is the point. And ultimately, I think that's going to be you know a solution that we'll we'll talk about later. I'm sure, but that's going to be a solution to to the problem uh, globally. So yeah, the concept was obviously they found these these twelve teams founded this competition out of just pure greed, and. They decided it was a good idea to uh, make it an open competition. And by the way, can I just point out this competition is completely illegal. Um, they won't, they they wouldn't be allowed to do it in terms of uh, their contracts with UEFA from whatever. There's actually it's quite unlawful what they're doing because uh, if you want to create a sporting competition, it has to be open to other people. And Although technically within they are within the law because they were allowing three other teams to enter, <laughs> there was no promotion and relegation. So actually, it wasn't an open competition; it was a closed competition in which sometimes someone can get involved if they want to. So that was basically the idea: is there was going to be uh, 
would it have been 17 teams, I think, or were was no, it was 15 12 teams. teams and then three could get in? Yeah, Something no, like that, yeah, 15 there teams. Been, there would have been 15 overall found in and then five like qualify every year or some rubbish. Mm, I think it's, it's basically going to be whoever wins the Premier League, the Italian League, and or whoever comes highest in the Premier League, Italian League, and uh, German League, uh, German League, uh, the Spanish League, that wasn't um, one of the you know the big teams. So say for example, Leicester came second, and the rest of the, and you know Man City won the league. Then I think that would be then Leicester would get invited to the Super League, and then it'd just basically be whoever said whoever said yes, basically. And the idea is that it replace it replace all the the kind of Champions League um, action during midweek. Um, it never, I think it the the idea was to take it worldwide. So they'd play in like, I don't know, they'd play one week in Australia, the next week in they'd you know I'd follow the sun around, play in Dubai, play in Abu Dhabi, these kind of places wherever they can bring in the biggest books. Um, I think their aim of doing this was trying to make it sort of like NBA style, wasn't it? So, yeah, I think I think that's ultimately where they want sport to go because you look at the NBA. There's actually there's no negative side. That's why these players can get paid so much money because there's no negative. You, if you are crap, it's actually better in the NBA because you get the better draft picks, don't you? Yeah. So actually, there is an incentive to be the team in the league, and it is well documented that in some NBA teams they will quite happily go. Ah, oh, well, we've you know we've already lost. We might as well just sack it off. And then purposely been the worst team in the league, so that they could get the best draft picks. Now, obviously, I don't think that would be where this was going in terms of draft picks, because I'm not being funny. Football players cost that much money that to do a draft pick where a team gets a player for free would literally destroy most clubs. It'd be ridiculous. But could you imagine like an could you imagine Mbappe like free pit free draft? Yeah, imagine like imagine somehow like, goes Forrest to came, Forrest, yeah, or like Burnley came seventh in the Premier League behind the big six, and they get Mbappe just like, yeah, you know I mean it's ridiculous. But obviously, we can only really talk about the Premier League because we don't really watch um, the kind of other leagues. I want to talk about Man United a little bit first because I think it's them and Liverpool which I'm kind of the most appalled by. Um, both in kind of the initial stuff and then what's happened kind of preceding it. Um, as, as a Man United fan, why why do a club that grosses, what are you talking about, like hundreds and hundreds of million pounds, you know, a year sometimes in profits, why does a club that's making that much money need to be in a Super League? I mean, there's, there's one answer for this, and it's the Glazer family. Um, I think you know you, you look at Man United and the history there. They're a club that um, the slave workers in Manchester built this club. Um, you know the the history. You know the Bubsy Babes. They died to win a Europe uh, to win the Champions League. Um, and then you know you have a family such as the Glazer families. You know they brought they brought our club into much more debt, and you know not putting much money into the club, um, and then to now do the Super League and take away sort of you know what football's all about the competition the fans um it's just a, it's a disgrace and they need to be they need to get kicked out yeah i mean the, the thing that that constantly gets me about all of this is just the lack of 
kind of kept because not even from what we can tell, and this is all kind of speculation. None of the players of any club were informed really until kind of just before the news broke at best, which is well, I think it's I think yeah a lot of them yeah. were saying that they they heard how like we did as well on Twitter on Sky Sports or on you know on social media and I think that's just a disgrace from the owners I think not even the not even the managers knew um, yeah and I mean just to give them no it's... awareness of this. Yeah, I mean, if we even if we move it away from football, if you were planning a massive change to a company, the first people you'd tell is the employees. It takes a, it takes an email or a WhatsApp text or something, and you've told them, and that's it. And then they can prepare for the onslaught of the media and whatever. And it's just a lack of care that the owners just went, ah, they'll be fine. They, you know, we've all got a bunch of monkeys who are all on three hundred fifty grand a week. When we say jump, all the monkeys do is go, how high, how high. And I think that's the way they look at their footballers. It's not a case of like, oh, these are these are people, and they you know they have livelihoods. You know, it's it's literally a case of these are our prized assets. These people will do what we tell them to do because we pay them the lifestyle that they are so lucky to have. And that's the narrative that's constantly spun about footballers. It's a, it's a livelihood that you're obviously very lucky to have. But no matter how much money you're on per week, it doesn't mean you can be lied to. It doesn't mean you can be you know, kind of cast aside as just, ah, we, we don't need to worry about them and stuff like that. And I think it's it's appalling the way that uh, the the kind of Manchester United players were were treated in that in, in that sense. As a Manchester United fan, just kind of looking at how the club kind of came out, obviously, as we're recording this, I think it was yesterday or earlier today, uh, there were some people who stormed the, or not stormed, they broke into the... Uh, or gained access to, I should say, they gained access to the the United training ground. Does it show how powerful the fans are that in forty eight hours a club such as Man United, just you know, a club that's so big as Man United, all it took was, you know, a few, maybe a couple of thousand Man United fans chanting, you know, for no Super League. Does it make you proud as a fan, knowing I mean- that you have that kind of power? I think uh, you have to give credit to all footballing fans, rather than not just Man United fans alone. I think the way that football fans united into stopping this, you know, it was all over Twitter. You know, there's a hashtag. It was trending. No to Super League. I think like rival fans, like you know, from like you know City, uh, Manchester City, Man United, Everton, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs, they're all uniting to have no to this, and obviously. Um, as we speak today, I think there was a protest at Arsenal Stadium. Uh, I think they had a they had a massive amount of numbers that turn up, and I think the owners need to understand of all these big clubs that there is nothing more important than the fans at all of these clubs. If the fans don't want you, um, they can, and I'm sure they will find a way to get rid of you. You know, um, all these clubs they wouldn't be where they wouldn't be where they are without the fans of those clubs. Yeah, and it's it's the problem is is it's it's almost like you could see this coming. You know, you talk about the owners of the clubs. There's obviously Joe Glazer, um, uh, Abramovich, Kroenke, uh, J.P. Morgan or FSG, whichever one you want to look at it as. Um, the Sheikh, I can't remember his name. 
the Man City owner, and Daniel Levy. It's all a bunch of people who don't really care about football. You know, it's it, you, none of these people have been Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, whoever. None of them have been fans of the club since they were, you know, yay high. None of them were particularly interested in football. They just saw an asset that was making a shed load of money and thought, well, this is this is clearly where, you know, it's clearly where I need to invest my money. And it's it's that businessman attitude that is going to kill everything in football. I think one example of this is obviously uh, one of the other big topics of the, this week is Jose Mourinho getting sacked. And I'm sure we'll talk more later on. Is that Daniel Levi? saw thought that he was getting about you know uh all this money from the super league so he willingly sat jose Mourinho for 30 million because he thought all this money was coming in that just i think that there just shows you the type of man that daniel levi is and also what you've got to remember is that these these people do have bottomless pits of cash it's very well known that if you are a rich person you know, like lenders and people at banks are more likely to lend you even more money. So basically, as you get rich, you just get richer. And that's it's so easy to you say you had, I don't know, fifty million pounds. If you went to a bank and said, I need a loan for twenty million pounds or a hundred million pounds even, well they'd go, Yeah, well sure, that's fine. You can yeah, you take it, take ten years and then pay us back. It's not a big deal. And it's it's those kind of things where they effectively have a monopoly on finance. Effective, not literally, but they ha- they literally have so much money. There's nothing to worry about. You look at especially the um, the people who are in Manchester City. The fact they work in oil and oil is one of the biggest commodities in the world shows that there is not going to be anything that will be able to buy out or stop these just literal billionaires. Like some of the richest people in the world own football clubs, and it's it's one of these things where throughout you know the Sky coverage and whatever there was this constant thing of oh it's the working man's game it's a working man's game it's created by the people for the people. Let's be real, this hasn't been a working man's game in years. You go back to when the Premier League was formed. The reason that was formed was for a financial gain. This hasn't been a working man's sport for potentially 50 years. You know, like you're talking back when Forrest won won the Champions League. Maybe then it was a working man's sport where the most expensive signing was uh, Trevor Francis for a million quid. And they were getting paid next to nothing living in, you know, I think there was one story that Peter Shilton actually practiced for the Champions League on a roundabout in the middle of the city that wherever the Champions League was held. That was what the working man's game was. And to then just inject this evil, corrupt, cash-hungry, almost villainous people into it has just completely deaded the sport. And I think even without the Super League, as I'm sure we'll go on to talk about, this isn't over in terms of the way the owners have been treating the clubs. No, I have to agree with all what you said. Um I think even I think it was very hypocritical over the few weeks. Um, as you know, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher were one of the sort of two leading people, and they used their platform well to sort of document what was happening and you know try and put a stop to it. And they united people together. But Sky have also been one that have 
use the Premier League to get you know gain they they charge what was it fifteen pound um a game during the lockdown I believe is that correct um and they're out here now saying oh don't support this you know because it's not right for football but you can then put it it wasn't right for football what they did or what they've done over the years with their subscription fees and all the subscription fees that there are in football. And that just well, not that, only... that shows that shows you that football isn't the working man uh, game anymore now. You know, with the amount of money that is in football. Hmm. And I saw, I think it might have been one of the AFTV guys. I can't quite remember. I think it might have been. You know, Sky Sports talking about you know protecting football and whatever. Tell that to the people who are making f-ing Arsenal fans travel up on a Tuesday night to Newcastle. You know. If you think a round trip to Newcastle from London is probably, what, at least 10, 12 hours there and back. You've got to do that on a Tuesday night. Most people have got to then wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning to go to work, do a hard day's graft until 8 o'clock at night and then come back. And you're telling me that Sky then care about the f***ing working man. It, it doesn't, it's ridiculous. It doesn't Sky help. don't care about anything that doesn't benefit them. It just so happens that this Super League also didn't benefit the fans and didn't benefit Sky, so there was an overlap. It's not that it's like the um, Lawrence from True Geordie's podcast said. It's not that there's good guys and bad guys now. There's just bad guys and more bad guys who are on TV. It's like it's all just so you know what I mean. It's just the whole thing doesn't give a shit about the working man anymore. It's like if 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 you guys get Harry Potter, it's like being killed by Voldemort or being killed by Death Eater. Exactly, it's just it's. <laughs> <laughs> you you don't want to be killed by either. That's really but... throwing me off. I mean, you don't want to get killed full stop. It's just fairly... it's got to be one of them. But if I, it's got to be one of them. It's going to be a definite than Voldemort. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, uh, the problem is that as well is obviously you know for a fact if if the if the Super League goes ahead, the Premier League bans the teams from competing in the Super League and the Premier League, all the teams go over to the Super League because it's more money. Sky then have to pay millions, billions probably more, just to get the TV rights than what they're paying now. And if they don't, they're stuck with Everton versus Leicester until the end of time. Don't and I just I think, don't think that's what suits, suits Sky. I think what we need to understand the importance of is that the, the effect that the Super League would have on, on all the lower teams... In like you know, literally all the divisions below the Premier League. I think you know, if they had obviously left the the Premier League, they wouldn't. The Premier League would be no one would watch it without those big six. Um, and I think then English football would just be there'd be nothing interesting about it really, in a way, obviously anymore. I think obviously the Championship and the lower leagues are they are good, but I just think with the the loss of those big, big sick clubs, and then there, you know, there are the FA Cup, there are all the cups. It, it loses that factor of those cups as well. You know, when like a lower league to go down, uh, go to, you know, the big teams away in the FA Cup, uh, that magic just won't be there anymore. And it, it obviously just has an influence on all the way down, even to you know national league. Well, I think it's, what we've got to remember is when, when people talk about the big six and what they're doing right now and the horrible thing they've done right now. 
and the fact they've come back on it, there's going to be people who've said, oh, well, they turned it around, well done them. But let's not forget that in the 80s, in the 90s, I think it's 1992, the Premier League was formed. So the Premier League used to be the first division, and there used to be one organisation called the English Football League. Fairly simple like idea is that the teams all play, and the money is shared out between all of the teams. So... The fact that you've got Manchester United playing in the Premier League and Forest playing in League One, it still means that Forest are going to then benefit from the TV money, the deals, all the money that comes in is shared equally above, you know, with the teams. And basically what happened was the top five at the time, your Arsenal's, Tottenham's, Everton's, United's and Liverpool, were basically approached and said, what we're going to do is we're going to set up a separate thing, the Premier League. There'll still be you know relegation and promotion, but the Premier League keeps all its own TV rights. And what that basically does, again, is keep give the fat cats a lot more money. And it's basically the same concept as this Super League, just with relegation and promotion. So the fact that there's even a Premier League to begin with shows that these people do not give a shit. And I think... The annoying thing is, is what what we're doing now is kind of, it's almost like a distraction. Like we've gone, you know, football has effectively been so bad for, say, 20, 30, 40 years that they've then gone, oh, let's do this one really bad thing. And then hopefully no one will remember all the little really bad things that we also did. And it's kind of worked because you're seeing fans now saying, oh, respect to Ed Woodward because he decided to leave Manchester United apparently because of the Super League and stuff like that. Yet these people who were, you know, and even the legends of the game, like Sir Alex Ferguson, Arsene Wenger, they would have all been complicit in organising the Premier League. That doesn't take away from them as players, but as people, you've got to hold these people accountable for what they have already done and how, you know, the adverse effect they've had on teams like uh, Wimbledon, who are now M- MK Dons because they got bought out by like Asda or something, or Tesco, some bullshit like that. You look at teams like Berry, who are literally re- like dead. There's no Berry anymore because there's no funding coming down from the Premier League, which is where all of you know all the money comes from. My question, I, th- I think I want to leave this with a question of: Does it actually surprise you, really? That this has happened. Uh, no. Um, I think. Good. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think with these owners that are in charge of these big six clubs, it 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 boils down to greed. There's nothing more. I don't think there's anything more to it than greed. Um, you know they're just they're they're all greedy parasites. You know, just sitting in their offices at all these clubs, not not giving a, a care in the world about, you know, the the football side of it, all the employees at the their clubs, the the, the bigger impact that it has on the the Premier League, everything football wise in this country, um, just to fill up their pockets more, um, and I think it's a disgrace. Um, uh, there's not a lot more to say to it. I think we just have to give. Uh, I think we're just thankful that the fans all came together and um, hopefully it can be a start to to getting rid of them all 
rid, rid of all these owners. You know, there's been a lot of protests. I think there'll be more protests for all of these clubs. Um, I think I, um, I don't know if you heard, but there was a rumor that sort of Chelsea and Man City didn't really want to be in it. See, so we'll, we'll to to avoid jumping all over the place, we'll we'll go on because obviously once the I will get to your point, but once the uh, thing was announced, obviously everyone went absolutely ballistic, and there were protests, like you say, and uh, there was a massive protest outside Stamford Bridge. They weren't letting the players' buses in for the game. Uh, you know, there's all these problems that you, the the fan well not problems, but there's all these you know kind of acts of of protest that these fans these fans caused, and obviously that then led to. Uh, Chelsea pulled out, and then I think Man City pulled out as well. But I think they were always going to pull out anyway, uh, by the sounds of it. But as much as I could believe that Man City may not want, you know, Chelsea, Man City may care about the football and may, you know, love the fans. I do just want to ask you, Ben, who's what? What tournament was it that they were going to ban teams from playing in? It was the was it the Champions League? Um, um yes. Yeah, so which what... two teams are currently in the Champions League <laughs> semi-final? And that is a. Let me uh, just think. So there's there's Madrid, PSG. Oh, is it Chelsea and Man City? Of course. And people telling you that like, oh yeah, they just did it because they love their fans. No, they don't. It's because the Champions League final is an instant payday, and they can, you know, they can risk one match to get there, and then if not, they'll just go to Perez and be like. Yeah, do you want to do Super League again, mate? We don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, cause I was quite disappointed with Man City because ever since they've had these new, obviously, oil owners, but um, I don't know if you've been to that side of Manchester, uh, the west side, the uh, east side, sorry, um, of Manchester. They've, what they've done to that community and the, you know the amount of jobs they've created, the training facilities they've built there, you know, to improve the, all the youth players, and then just to throw all that away. Enjoying the Super League, I mm. I was just very shot. Yeah, I think the thing with Man City is ultimately everyone talks about how bad it is that they spend so much money, but ultimately they have, like you say, they've created jobs, built houses, they've made the, the that side of Manchester a lot nicer to be in. Which is why I could maybe believe that they wanted to pull out, maybe. And this isn't because let's 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 not forget that the fact that they felt like they needed to pull out suggests that a they were guilty anyway. They knew they were guilty, and b they still had to enter to pull out. So in no way is giving props to Man City about pulling out a good thing. It's just less bad than everything else. Yeah, well, yeah, because so, there was there was a a few talks about saying that they didn't want to. Like, so they probably heard that like oh, there's these other four teams joining the Super League, and they were like. Hold on a minute. We don't want to miss out on this Champions League revenue, or, or what? There's going to be no Champions League, so they probably just thought they had to join on. Obviously, I'm not going to give them any credit for thinking that they didn't want to join or they whatever happened. But I think that might have just been on the footballing side of it in a way. You know, if you hear that you're the year the four, you know, sort of supposedly big teams in the league are joining instead of the Super League, you're like, hold on a minute. Should we not be in that? It's a mo- it's like a proper mobster mentality as well, you know. Perez basically going, "Oh, listen, we're going to set up this league. We're going to pay everyone shit tons of money. 
If you don't come with us, you're effectively dead in the water. It's such like a disgusting way of thinking about it. But anyway, with so obviously there was there was Man City and Chelsea. Uh, they had the big demonstrations. They pulled out, and then yeah, the other the, uh, the other four believe, teams just came flying and literally joining as quickly as they could. Yeah, they did, and obviously the last two to really pull out, if you like, were I'd probably say Liverpool, Man United, maybe tied with Arsenal. I think Tottenham were quite quick to get out uh, after they spent thirty five million sacking, you know, Jose Mourinho or whatever it was. Just, just it's nine no days. wonder that he doesn't look particularly unhappy. No, just nine days before the Carabao <laughs> Cup final. That's the thing as well. We've we've spoke about it quite a few times, and I actually heard them speak about it on uh, Radio Five Live when I was driving home earlier. They were saying that in a one-off game, you just keep Jose Mourinho. So for another, I'm sure you can go another week with Jose Mourinho to give yourself the best chance of winning that Champions League. But no, Levy's obviously heard. Oh, this money's coming in. You know, we're you know he's heard the money's coming in and gone. Oh, we can get rid of Mourinho. Probably bring in like a Nagelsmann or, I don't know, some managers. Just give him shed loads of money, buy him all the players he wants and just let him have at it. And also, let's not get it wrong, if this Super League had happened, slightly separate point, the amount of money they would have had would have meant that all the Premier League teams would have been pillaging the lower Premier League teams, which means all the lower Premier League teams and some of the top teams would have been pillaging the Championship. The whole level of football in the UK would have just hit the sh- and there's nothing we could have done about it. And I think it's it's one of them where, yeah, like, like I can't even remember what point I was making, but the fact that Daniel Levy gets rid of Jose Mourinho and then drops out of the Super League shows that he is a man who does not have a backbone, effectively. Um, but like you say, so all, all the teams drop out and the Super League at that point is effectively dead. Uh, do you want to talk us through kind of a little bit about the apologies of some of the clubs because some of them were interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Arsenal, I believe, uh, brought out a letter, and I, I read somewhere that apparently it was actually sort of quite heartfelt, and it looked like it was, like came from the heart. But you know, obviously, don't give them credit, you know, for apologising. All of these clubs, uh, it's going to be no credit for them, obviously. Um, joining the Super League, but I think Arsenal actually did like try to admit that they did make a mistake, whereas I think some of the others didn't in a way. Um, I believe the Liverpool owner did a video. Uh, Henry, I believe his name is, or that's his, whatever his name is, he did a um, yeah. a video apologising for joining the Super League, and I think all the others just did a letter. I think United did a letter. Uh, that's just the same with Chelsea and Man City. I'm not sure what Spurs did. I don't think they did anything, did they? No, I think I think Spurs did apologise on like a social media type letter. I actually think it was Chelsea that didn't do a lot. I don't I don't remember seeing loads from Chelsea. No, um, I think obviously they were just I think they were just PR stunts, weren't they? Really, you know. The... Yeah, well, I mean, ultimately you can spin it however way however you want with these people. That's the thing. They've all probably got a team of about 10 people who've all got degrees in English language and psychology and X, Y and Z who have no morals and will just shit out any letter that you ask them to and it'll be the perfect letter to read in that situation and la da 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 
I think the the one that really got to me was the way John Henry spoke about Liverpool, because as much as he was saying, you know, he apologises to Jurgen and he apologises to the Liverpool community and to Liverpool. And don't don't forget, really... don't forget he threw him under the bus for the Liverpool Leeds game as well. He did. He really did. He didn't even that... he didn't even tell them anything to answer any questions on because Klopp had to have a meeting with his team that morning and say we have no idea what's going on. If you ask any questions, just answer them. Basically, just answer them honestly. And fair play to one of the best blokes in football, in James Milner, who came out and literally looked at a reporter dead in the eyes and said, don't like it. <laughs> I think that takes some proper balls when you're dealing with billionaires to look straight down a camera who associate with the billionaires and go, yeah, don't like what you're doing, mate. Don't like it at all. And mm. in fact, another, not quite in the, not quite the same uh, token in terms of the way, in terms of what he's actually speaking about, but you have to give props to Patrick Bamford as well, who again goes on Sky TV, risks quite a lot of backlash. And, you know, again, you're talking about billionaires and says, you know, the response has been amazing about the big six. And he just, again, goes straight to report. It's a shame it's not the same with racism. Yeah. And it's... I saw his, it's I saw his interview. In it was a very good interview. It's these characters in football that we need to keep you, James. You know, the, the proper down-to-earth lads who... Even though Patrick Bamford is a, you know, he's a proper posh, sounding bloke, he's still a, you know, he's a, a, he is a proper working man's footballer. Even if you know he, he doesn't sound like same with same with James Milner growing up around Leeds and whatever. It's these kind of people that we have to keep in the sport. But to hear John Henry when he's talking about Liverpool, the thing that got me, and it's probably not a big thing, but I did notice it quite a lot, is. Say, for example, me and you, we're talking about the football team that play at Anfield. Who's that? That is like, what Liverpool. You call yeah, it's Liverpool, or occasionally Liverpool Football Club, just for, you know, hypothetically. The fact that John Henry kept saying, I am apologising to the LFC community. <laughs> I am apologising to all at LFC. How many people do you know that call Liverpool Football Club LFC? You'd, like, I'm not going to you like, oh yeah, great game from, from Mufk today. What a great game from Man United Football Club, or <laughs> Mufk as I like to call them. Like, have a word, man. And it's, it's those little things, and they might not seem like much to a bloke who's a millionaire, he's got loads of money, but it it matters. It's like, I heard the, um, it's really random point this, I heard once the owner of Forest recently um the old owner, sorry, he called Nottingham Forest Knott's Forest. <laughs> now, anyone who follows Nottingham Forest or Nottinghamshire based football knows, or even football in general, knows that there's nothing that annoys Forest fans more than the name Knott's Forest. Because obviously, you've got Knott's County literally 400 yards away. And it's just these little things that they just shows they really don't care. And just on, a, on another quick note about this uh, owners, there was um, a rumour or a story about an owner that went to watch his team play and he didn't know what kit his, uh, the team was in. <laughs> like, he sat there, oh. the owner of that club, and he was like, he said to someone, uh, what what kit are we? Who are, which, which team are we? I was like, how? 
The thing is, right, I could understand potentially calling Liverpool LFC by accident, but how the fuck do you walk into the stadium that you pay for <laughs> that is covered in like bright red seats and go, what? <laughs> Who are we? No, and there's like literally a whole stadium of people chanting, come on you reds, and he goes, yeah, go the blue team. <laughs> so annoying. It's like, right, I tell you what it is. You know Barney from How I Met Your Mother? Yeah. Have you ever seen the video of him when he's at the Man City game? Yes. And he's, yes. And he, he's like, he's like, we're at the MetLife Stadium for our first football slash soccer game. He's wearing a Man City shirt. And he goes, yeah, go Manchester United. That's basically <laughs> all of these owners. All of these owners are I'm just pretty... Barney Stenson from from How I Met Your Mother. I'm pretty sure it's actually he's... ridiculous. I'm pretty sure his kid while I was there is wearing like a PSG shirt. Yeah, it's oh, it's mad stuff. It's it's really. I mean, I can understand that because that was at the MetLife Stadium. I think that was in America, so I can understand it. I can understand. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we shouldn't exhibition football teams, big football teams, to. America and let them go and do their tours, like you know Manchester United do tours in Australia and whatever. I'm not saying saying that couldn't shouldn't happen because ultimately, if you're talking about a working man's game, it's got to be a working man from everywhere. The thing you can't do is make a competition which is all about money and not about the football. That's the key thing. Is people go and watch Manchester United? You know, if Bruno Fernandez didn't play for Manchester United, no one would give a shit who he was. If Ryan Giggs had never played for Manchester United, no one gives a who he is. If you hadn't played football for these teams, no one would care. And that's why the football and the competition aspect is so important. But even, I mean, you talk about, because that was the main argument, wasn't it? That, you know, there's no competition of the league, but I'm not being funny. Man United are hardly likely to get relegated from the from the Premier League due to how they've set it up. But, I mean, the I can't remember what point I was making there. Yeah, we kind of Apart just, from Barney Stenson. We kept making one point and then it just went on to make another point and then so on. I mean, it's elite podcasting, really. So we're probably, but, like, um, we're probably like 12 points in. Yeah, why not? But um, so, so we've, we've... I mean, the apologies were f***ing awful, as always. Um, and next came probably the rest of the protests from... Not only fans, but other Premier League clubs. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Twitter banter. I think the Wolves TikTok did it for me. They were elite uh, in what they did. Um, I think they also changed their I mean, Twitter bio to saying that they were the Premier League champions. Yeah, because they finished behind the, the big six, and that's that's something I actually want to draw attention to a little bit because, to me, I actually never really thought about this. The big six are the big six because they're the best big, the best teams in the league. They're the top six. That's the point. So the fact that the only team can say that they were champions of the Premier League because they finished in seventh were Wolves from four years ago. No, five, three years ago, sorry. It was 2017-18. Three years ago was the last time that all the top six clubs actually finished in the top six. The f- cheek of Arsenal and Spurs to say that they deserve to be in the top six teams in England. Are you taking the piss? Yeah, I know. I think what they've done with this big six teams is actually the biggest sort of six teams in a way. Not the best, because Arsenal, they're not even probably top ten. 
Spurs. Uh, I, I, don't, I can't even talk about Spurs when they play football, you know. Um, but, and obviously, Spurs the, aren't even Spurs aren't even in the top fifteen biggest teams. No. Neither are Man City, really. Um, in no. the UK, obviously, you know, I think with the history of a lot of football clubs, you know, you were talking earlier, there was like sort of you know Ipswich, Everton, uh, Blackburn, Blackburn, Forest, Notts County, even. They're all, argue. you know, they're all bigger than you know the likes of uh, Tottenham and Chelsea that have been around, you know, the last sort of ten years, twenty years. Um, I think you know. Spurs... Here's a question for you, bro. Who's won more FA Cups? Uh, say since the year two thousand, Wigan or Tottenham? Mm, it's Wigan. Wigan. Wigan have won one. <laughs> I mean, they probably won. They probably won. They probably won more trophies than Spurs have. Yeah, well, I mean, they've got probably they've got like some kind of trophy, like the St John Paint Trophy or some witch <laughs> down in League One. They were just on about the you know the the cheek of some of the clubs just to get into this because they know that in the last sort of. I mean, actually, speaking of a point, uh, do you remember? All the Arsenal fans wanting to get rid of Arsene Wenger, but he continuously and consistently got them into the top four 20 years in a row. Yeah. That's actually <laughs> mad. <laughs> when you actually deep how difficult that is, that is mental. And I think that he, is literally... also, he also had a positive net spend. He did. He had, he, he'd spent... Twenty million. He spent twenty million million less than he sold, which yeah, is ridiculous. Like all the other clubs are like hundreds of millions of pounds in debt, and Arsenal had a twenty million plus net spend. I bet Arsenal is they you know be happy to be in top four every single season, you know, rather than like ninth in the league behind West Ham, West uh, West Ham, Leicester. I mean, again, it's it's that it's the problem with fans but it's also the best bit about fans is they just want what's best for their club and at that time with Arsene Wenger everything did seem to be going wrong now whether or not it was the right thing to sack him is kind of here nor there now because in all honesty Arsene Wenger is actually a lot better where he is in terms of he's one of the the higher ups in UEFA he's he's promoting real positive change in the game he's looking at the rules you know he's talking about things that would improve the game. He's a lot better there than he is at Arsenal, fair enough, whatever. But the, it's just the fact that the fans wanted what was best. And the best at the time that they thought they could get was Emery. Yeah? So Stan Kroenke clearly knows f*** all about, him, about football. Because at the time, Klopp, I think, wanted to manage Arsenal. Pep, at one point, wanted to manage Arsenal. They had a £90 million deal lined up to get Vardy, Mares, and Kante in the same deal. And Kroenke turned all of these things down. The guy who then ruined that club in Emery. It's again, it's not having football people as the higher-ups in football clubs. It's the same everywhere. The best football clubs have proper football people at the top of the club. It's just simple. You know you've said all this. You know Emery is against Arsenal in the semi-final of the Europa League. They're getting absolutely slapped, I promise you. By Arsenal? Arsenal are going to get the sausage. No, no, Arsenal are going oh, to get slapped. Oh, yeah, but... Because oh. as much as... as much, I'm not, This is not a knock on Emery. It's just saying when you've got Pep and, you know, Klopp and, you know, there were managers that would have come to Arsenal at the time when, you know, when Wenger got sacked. 
sacked. The fact that Everton have got Ancelotti. You know, there's there's managers out there that will come. But I think the fact that um the disrespect that they treated Emery with in terms of kind of Arsenal as a whole, this isn't really on the Super League anymore, but I think Emery will have a point to prove when they play. And I think ultimately Arsenal will get genuinely slapped. But I'm I'm almost counting on it. I think it'll be a, a proper big boy move, especially after the uh, the you know this recent weeks uh, this recent weeks stuff. But yeah, um, I've completely forgot what I was going to go on about. There was like an extra bit. Yeah. So the 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 kind of banter from the other clubs. What was it? What was it like as a as a supporter of one of the clubs? seeing the other 14 just basically completely hate on all the other clubs and all the other clubs jumping at the chance to really go at the top six. How did that feel kind of from your point of view? Well, in a weird way, I felt like it was, you know, deserved and fair justice, you know. Um, and I, don't, I don't think any support of these top six clubs can disagree, you know. Um, obviously, there's a lot of talk about what the punishment's going to be like, Um I don't agree in like you know the points and all that you know because in a way you know it's it's not you know it's not even the players' fault or the managers or the staff you know it's the, it's literally the six owners of the, those clubs that have you know decided upon this and has and has affected us all, um, but I uh, it's, it's a difficult one obviously because I'm a United fan I wouldn't want us to get dot points and all that lot. Um, but I do think I think there's got to be a punishment for the owners, you know, or or uh, bring in the implementation of the 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 model that you mentioned earlier with the fans, you know, fifty percent. Um, yeah, I think there has to be. So in terms of the Premier League, first of all, the fit, you know, that fit and proper owners test that they have, where you you know there's a certain amount of stuff that you have to. That's why Newcastle couldn't get taken over, apparently, was because the you know, the owners didn't pass the fit and proper test, bearing in mind that Abramovich and the Sheikh at Man City are both in charge and are two of the dodgiest blokes you'll ever hear about. Um, I think that needs to be changed and be looked heavily into. I think the amount that you should be allowed to take from a club look, should be looked heavily into because I heard today, I think it was like the Glazers are taking out like £78 million a year as a some kind of... I don't know, some kind of salary for doing f*** all. Um, there's, there's stuff like that where it's kind of, it needs to be tighter on, on those things and it ultimately needs to be less about the money and more about the morality of what some of these people are doing. Um, I think it can't be points because points imply that there was something wrong done by the players and the performances on the pitch. It can't be anything to do with the points. It has to be financial. And I think it's got to be massive, massive fines. It's got to be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds that can be reinvested and put back into the lower clubs in the Premier League, back into the EFL and back into the grassroots game, which is ultimately where football properly lies. You know, there's... I heard something today about little things like there was a there's a campaign going on to get girls to have equal access to football in schools and they're about 40% of the way through. So in 60% of schools, girls don't have the opportunity to play football. And yet, 
Manchester United were about to go into a Super League and get paid three billion quid a year for being potentially It's little things like that where it has to be financial and it has to aid the, you know, the Football League. And then if they don't pay that, then it becomes points. Then it becomes, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to say we're going to take some money off you and then if you're not willing to pay it, then that means that we're just going to dock you points. Then all of a sudden your fans are going to go absolutely mental because you had an option to get them a payout so they could support their club and now potentially they're going to get relegated. You know, if if it's going to be a point deduction, let's not lie, it's going to be 20, 30, 40 points. You know, there's been teams, you know, like Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Luton, loads of teams, uh, Bolton was a prime example, who have been docked points just for silly, you know, incompetence at the top level. These guys have done something that's genuinely illegal. There's got to be, you know, 30s, 40s points dropped at least. So I I don't know. I think it has to be a big, big financial fine and it has to be the top six guys all have to be either re-evaluated or sacked in the next six months. Otherwise, it's done for me. Yeah, I completely um, agree with you. Um, they have got to do something financial to, I think, in a way, teach those six owners that, you know, they're not going to bully people around. They're not going to bully the, the league. They're not going to bully the other 16 teams, uh, the other 14 teams, sorry. Um, and I think, like you say, if they, you know, financially, all that money goes back into the grassroots football, uh, like you say, to support uh, schools, everything, you know, um, I do agree with that. Um, I, know, I get your point about the points. I just feel like it would be a very unjust on the players of those clubs, the staff, the manager um, for the incompetence of their owners and what they've done, um, and and in a way, it's not even not even fair for the fans, um, you know, um, for what these owners have done. Um, but um, in a in a way, I'm glad it's all behind us. But then I also don't think it's behind us. I don't think like there isn't enough not been done yet. You know, I don't think it's over. All these protests are going to go on for a long while. Um, I think there's always there's going to be a lot of talk about the punishment for these clubs. I think with these owners in charge, there's always going to be, you know, potentially be something around there. I don't think the other uh, owners of the 14 teams are going to be able to trust these six. You know, I think Gary Neville called them all snakes and that's, you know, that's correct. They are a bunch of weasels and snakes for what they've done. Um, it's just, I think, you know, time will tell what's going to happen with these owners, with the league, uh, what you know, what their punishment is. And um, we'll just have to see how it goes. Yeah, and I think I saw today that the um, the 14 clubs have, have called for the six owners to resign or sell up or you know things like that I think that could be a way forward but then the problem is as is the problem with these kind of people and as is the problem with cockroaches is as soon as you as soon as you kill a cockroach another one just comes back out and that's all you're going to have constantly is scumbag after scumbag after scumbag after scumbag someone is going to try and buy a football club and they're going to run it into the ground people are going to hate it they're not going to win anything, and then the next scumbag's going to turn up. The only real scumbag that you can kind of agree with is someone from the Middle East who has shed loads of money and will do something like Man City. 
And, you know, the only reason why Man City are still at the top of the league is because the Premier League did not let Newcastle get bought because they knew that they had to protect their top six asset. So the problem is, as much as we're siding with the Premier League and UEFA and the sixth and the 14 teams, these guys are all complicit. All teams in the Premier League are run by incredibly wealthy people. You know, you look at when we were talking about those £15 matches, right? There were 20 teams able to vote from the Premier League to see whether or not people should be charged £15 a match to watch games. How many of the teams, if you don't know already, do you think voted for the £15 a match? Didn't they all vote for it? It was 19. Leicester were the only team not to, I believe. Oh, they're a proper man's club. 19. 19 out of 20 teams voted for £15 a game. And this is what I mean. It's Football has to change from the top all the way down. All the way down. It's not It's not a case of now they've pulled out the Super League, that's it. They will retry the Super League. They will try and make the Premier League into a Super League. They will try and make a British Super League where it's just the top six and Celtic and Rangers. They'll try all these different things until eventually they find the best thing where fans can't complain, they have loads of money, and it'll just go on and on forever. And ultimately there is no end to it. But having said that, one thing I'm incredibly proud to see as a fan of football, like you said, we've said earlier, is just the sheer size of the protesting crowds. It's been it's been an amazing thing to watch. Yeah, I think um I just think it's a you know, it's a massive sort of finger at the bum for f- those owners. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just to, I think. So that's how we're going to conclude this podcast. That the owners have been given a finger. <laughs> just to, you know, I've said it throughout this podcast. There's nothing more important than the fans. Um, I think you know. I think there's there's a few players that sort of got a bit vocal on social media. I think you know Luke Shaw, Kevin De Bruyne. They all talked about football being for the fans and you know competition. I think Marcus Rashford posted something. Um, um, a quote football for the fans. I think there's you know, Henderson um was seen, I think. Shout out to Hector Bellerin as well. He was one of the first guys to talk out. And he is a, he I'd say he's a proper he's the closest thing to a, a football fan that I think we've got currently playing football. Yeah. Really. Um, I think there was Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire apparently confronted Edward Wood or got Joe Glazer, one of the two. Um, I think there's I think there's also a few other players from other clubs that you know did all these confrontations and was like they're not happy about it. So I think there's a, I think even the, a lot of the players realise that you know this isn't right and they realise that football sort of the fans um, they wouldn't be all of them wouldn't be where they are if it wasn't for you know the fans. Bruno wouldn't be at United if United wasn't a club. Um, so it, it's good to see that. I guess this has brought out the good side of football, but then we're never going to forget the bad side of football, and that's always going to be around in football, I'm afraid. And it's always the same thing, that no matter who it is, no matter what it is, no matter where it happens, we have to use the bad things to learn, and we have to move forward as you know, as a, as a group and as a human race and as a football fan collective. We have to learn from what has happened, and ultimately we have to burn the rich. Yeah, we do. Um, I think just on a side, I think, I think on a side note, actually, um, 
you, you see what how much has been put in to stop this by UEFA. Where where was this for racism? Exactly. Where is this for all the other stuff? You know, UEFA are on this because they want to make sure they don't lose money. Oh, but they gave some a racist guy oh a ten game match ban. Oh, sorry, ten games. That's a bit of a... It is. It is completely. It's. It's. I mean, you look even like Nicholas Bentner got fined how like hundreds of thousands of pounds for his paddy power pants back in the day, and yet you've got, I think, who was it? Those. Um, was it Bulgaria were fined like a hundred thousand pounds, if that? No idea. Um, it was also so, recently uh, Kieran Trippier told his mate that he might be moving, and then his mate put a bet on it. Oh, you're banned for the rest of the season or something. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Ultimately, all it is it's rich people protecting their own interests, and in order to to stop that, we have to you know start taking these things to heart. You know. If there are fan forums and if there are times where you can ask the owners questions, go ask the questions, write to your local MPs. You know, these little things that you can do may not seem like a lot, but as a collective, when you've got hundreds of thousands of people doing the same thing, you know, what's the, I forget what the phrase is, but, you know, one person shouting, you might not hear it. A hundred thousand people shouting, they'll hear it worldwide. You know what I mean? And I think, to be honest, I think this is probably a good a good place to to end the podcast on, and kind of say, you know, as much as this is the end of the current Super League, and as much as it's the end of kind of these kind of conversations, we still need to keep having these conversations. We still need to keep demonstrating. We still need to keep protesting, and get these get these people either out of football or get them to realise how lucky they are to own these, you know, historic, historic clubs. Um, Alright, just a quick... I know I know. Uh, Biarb said that we were going to end it there, but we're going to quickly... I mean, I can just edit that out, so you don't really need to say that, but, you know, carry well, on. Well, I'm just saying it's a bit poor from you to assume that we were ending. Uh, as you... I'm probably going to leave this in now. Yeah, um, as, you know, a few of you are maybe aware, probably not many of you, because, you know, Man City and Tottenham aren't really that big of a club. Uh, there is a Carabao Cup. <laughs> there is a Carabao Cup final this weekend. Um, obviously, you know with Mourinho, uh, you know uh, having his big fat paycheck in the week. Uh, how do you see this going, Ben? I mean, ultimately, we can say what we like. We can have the conversation. Whatever, it's Man City, isn't it? It's it's not going to be. I'd be very surprised if if Tottenham did win it. Obviously, we're going to discuss their chances and see chances and why. But yeah. it's Man City. Yeah. It it just is. It doesn't matter. I know. Obviously, Chelsea did the job, but that was slightly different. Semi final, right in amongst. You know, there's a load of games all in quick succession. So, you know, it, you know, you could blame Pep, and his choice of team was awful in that FA Cup semi final, but. I think all Pep needs is one mistake to realise that he, you know, to realise what he's done wrong, and he's he's made that mistake, and he's gonna he's gonna absolutely smash Tottenham. I would probably predict. Yeah, well, they've obviously they've, they've had quite a long rest. They've not played since Saturday when they did lose to Leeds. Obviously, no, they played it yesterday against Aston Villa. Ignore what I've just said. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, still, you know, that's what. 
four five days. That's quite a long time in in relativity to football. Yeah. You know, five five days rest or obviously, five days of not having a match is quite a long time. Obviously there's a big chance that Harry Kane may not be playing and I'm if Harry Kane doesn't play that they're they're not winning. No matter what. Um if Harry Kane plays he probably won't be fit enough. So you remember that game when for England was it was it that semi mm-hmm. was it that semi final when we lost to Croatia? I think yep. I think Harry Kane weren't really fit but because he's our best player on like you know they all he's our best player they all they all fit um he played uh, you know probably could have won that game if he uh, didn't I think there was another game it was a Champions League final as well wasn't it against Liverpool yeah, Liverpool yes. against Liverpool where yeah he was I don't think he was necessarily that unfit but I just think you know he he probably wasn't on form yeah I think it's the fairest way to put I think um, Potticino benched the guy that got a hat trick and sco- took him there for you know a half fit. Harry Kane, mm-hmm. um, but obviously, you know, Spurs are a different team without Harry Kane, and obviously, they've got a new manager in Ryan Mason, very inexperienced. We, uh, you know, I don't know what he will bring to the Spurs team other than maybe just letting them play how they want to play. I think we obviously need to talk a bit about you know Spurs and what they do have, so that they do have two. The problem with Spurs is they're not a very good team overall, but they have two or probably three genuine elite world-level talents in Bale, Son and Kane. And that's almost like their X factor. That's If you go into any game as a Spurs fan, you're probably not necessarily expecting to win, but you know if you can play Son, Kane, Bale in any two of... probably two of those players, and you've got as good a chance as any against most defences. I think that's kind of their... Their kind of holy grail is that I think if Harry Kane can maybe manage fifty minutes, forty minutes, that'd be ideal. Because I think what what you could have is potentially a very defensive setup. You could just put Son and Bale up front, maybe you know Son just in behind Bale, for example, and then you could literally play Hoiberg and Dombele and have like a a, a more defensively minded midfield maybe for the first fifty minutes of the game, and then you go back to that four three three after you know you've worn City down. And you have Kane, you know, able to get into those pockets of space and are able to drop deep and play in Sonny and, you know, Bale and all that kind of stuff. That is probably their best bet, maybe, if he's not completely fit. That's true. If but... he's Obviously, it's going to be literally, if he can play 75 minutes, he'll play 90 minutes. It's not It's not a question to me. That just baffles me, that if that's the best way to beat the City team, which it probably is, you know, you look at Manchester United, they beat them 2-0, sitting back. Leeds did it the other week. I know they went down to to 10 men. But surely just having Mourinho for that one game, you know... uh, know. So I have apparently, on this Mourinho against Sack thing, I did hear that apparently some players celebrated whilst they were in the gym. When they found out he'd been sacked, so I don't know if it's. We can obviously say he is the best cup finalist ever. I imagine his record in cup finals is probably second to none. But at the end of the day, if you're going into a cup final with a bunch of players who hate your fucking guts, then you'd probably, as Daniel Levy just say, you know what it is. Let's just let's just sack it off. So at least. Ryan Mason has nine days or whatever it is until until the uh, until the final to, to kind of get to know 
the lads and get to know training and stuff like that. But well, in a, in a way, again, it's just like what Spurs players did with Pochettino. They didn't like him towards the end, or you know, they threw him under the bus. In a way, you could, you can say that they've done the same with Mourinho. Like I think, and I think that's that's also the kind of player that would be happy with the Super League, like Deli Ali and people like that who would happily not make as much of an effort for a higher paycheck. That's the kind of I think it's those kind of people. It was Rudiger at Chelsea, I think, and all these kind of players who just didn't want Jose Mourinho, uh, didn't want Frank Lampard or you know now Jose Mourinho at Tottenham to be there. Um, no. I don't know. I, there's a lot. There's a lot of players in these clubs that are obviously there for the the money. Um, there's not. You know, there's still obviously a lot of players that do want. You know, you think of the Bruno Fernandez, the ones that just want to play football and want to play for that club. Um, and obviously, back you know, back the, Rash, back the manager of Rashford is a good one that comes to mind. Um, yeah. But then, obviously, there's a lot of players that you know they don't care. You know, they want a good salary, and they don't care about the manager. They're firm under the bus if they need to. They're moaning about the manager. Um, and I think with with this Tottenham team, I think there's a lot of players in that. You know, I can't really think of many more than probably Harry Kane that are, you know. Are, you know, a professional in day in day out. You know, play for the manager, um, mm. and that's the problem with the Spurs team. And obviously, you know, in football, the managers are always on the ones that go. Exactly, player power is a very, very real thing, um, and it's it's quite scary. You look at, I saw an interview because they were doing like a recap of uh, like Brian Clough's life, and apparently. <laughs> They uh, won the first division, or the Premier League as it is now, and John McGovern apparently turned to Brian Clough and said, yeah, boss, we won it, and he went, oh, yeah, good, yeah, and he literally apparently just got on the coach home, went home, trained the next day, (laughs) and it's like, he just did not give a crap, and the players couldn't do anything about it, and I think that ultimately, when players have so much power now, and it's so political... It's very difficult for a manager to properly... Because in order to be a good manager, you have to be able to kind of be vulnerable in front of the people that you're you're trying to coach and say, you know, I have this idea. I know it will work theoretically, but I'm trust. You know, I need you to go and test it. I'm a bit nervous about it. You have to be able to talk to players like that and say, you know, this is the idea. This is what we're going to do. I have to trust you to do it kind of thing. I just don't think Jose Mourinho had that. I think he walked into that job thinking, well, these guys should... I'm Jose Mourinho. These guys should love me. I think that's what they're saying now with the management in football that, like, sort of maybe 70% of it is sort of man management rather Mm. than, you know, back in the the last 10, 20 years, it was all based on, you know, tactics and, you know, management style. Whereas, like, now you you need your players to be happy or... You know, or like you know, if a player comes out saying they're not happy, or it it probably stems onto the manager. But I think mm. that's why Ole Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, in a way, is I think one of the best. You know, you think of what he did with Jesse Lingard; he was obviously at a bad time. You think Pogba seems a lot happier. You know, there's a lot of Man United players that seem happier there. While he's you know he's learning the tactics and he's getting some tactics right. Obviously, you look at the Manchester City again. You know. Um, so it's just a, you know, it's just a new way of managing, I think. Mm. Uh, and obviously moving over to the other side of the camp to to Manchester City. I mean, 
we talked about money the whole time. You know what Manchester's history with money is, but that team is a joke. And Phil Foden mainly is a joke. It's so funny that they've spent hundreds of probably near a billion pounds on players, and their best player was free. Literally, I think he has. He has. Well, I mean, yeah. I think I've mentioned it before. He has the potential to be the best player in their history, and that's mad when you look. You know. Some of the players in their history, like Aguero, David Silva, Vincent Company. Um But although the thing the thing that gets me about Man City is people talk about the money they spend. Ultimately they are spending it as well on the training facilities. And when you've got young players who are entering an environment where they're training at the highest level of facility and they're you know, they're they're working with the highest level footballers, it's no surprise that Phil Foden came along. I think it's just more of a surprise of how quickly he did it, because he's only 20, what, 20, 20, 21 years of age? Uh, yeah. And he feels like he's been playing for Man, Man City forever? Yeah. Um, I, I, I can uh, I'll put it out there now. I think he could get the winner this weekend. Probably. He'll have, he will have a Ballon d'Or soon. I reckon 20, 26, 27 years of age, when he fully hits his pomp, he'll get a Ballon d'Or. I think, I think if Pep stays there as well, he definitely will. Mm, I think wherever Pep goes, he tries to buy Foden as well. I think because the thing is, you could probably replace Aguero, you could probably place replace Kevin De Bruyne to a certain extent. I don't think there's any player in the world other than Messi and Ronaldo and Mbappe and Haaland and these kind of top level guys that is ever going to rival what Phil Foden's potential is. Do you think? Do you think Foden is sort of his Messi to when he was at Barcelona? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think ultimately Messi is partly the player he is because of the way Guardiola, you know, was with him. It's the same same with every player. You know, you look at Sergio Aguero. The classic example is it's also you talk about man management. The Sergio Aguero case at Man City was Pep arrived and said didn't really fancy Sergio Aguero, but it wasn't anything. You know, he didn't make a big deal about it in the in the press or whatever it was. He Sergio Aguero went, all right, fucking watch this, and bagged so many goals that Pep had to then like him and had to back him in the team. So I think um, the difference between, you know, kind of like the best players and Phil Foden is Phil Foden didn't have to do a lot to get into Pep's team. And the same with Messi. Messi didn't have to do a lot. Messi just showed his quality, and Phil Foden has shown his quality on big occasions and even not, you know, he's shown it on the big occasion. He's shown it on the small occasions as well. And I think there's certain things in a football you have to have. And one of them is to play on the big occasions. The classic example, again, Mbappe scored three goals at the new Camp whilst Messi was on the same pitch and looked like he did not give a shit. That is the kind of people that you want. And that's how Phil Foden is. And it's how Mbappe is. And it's how Haaland is. And that's the reason why these guys are going to be the best in the world. I completely agree with you. Um, I just think England, uh, England have got an incredible player in uh, Phil Foden and I uh, just think on the final note are we just both in an agreement for a City win? I think City win but I think it might be I think just due to the passion of what um, what the manager is going to give to Spurs I think he, he'll be able to give him a good team talk because he knows how it feels and I think for that reason it probably won't be an apps it'll be a battering in terms of you know, Spurs won't have much of the ball, but I mean, they haven't had much of the ball all season. But it'll be a batter in terms of that. But it'll probably be like one or two nil. Maybe it might go to extra time and then City win it in extra time. But 
Yeah, I think it's Man City's trophy every single year. To be fair, they might as well just write their name on it now. Yeah, they've got too much for next year. They've got too much. <laughs> they've got too much quality to be losing to a Spurs team that rely on Hurricane Sun and Bale. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. But I think on that note, we can say uh, obviously it's been a very uh, controversial and eventful, uh, very week, dramatic, very dramatic week this week. Um, I think I'm just looking forward to a weekend of some football, some normality. Um, oh, by the way, do you want to go on protest? On <laughs> what? We'll just we'll just go and start protesting randomly about anything. Yeah. We'll just f- the Super League. I don't know. The Super League's cancelled. No, f- it. I might just join the all the Arsenal fans. I feel that like Arsenal will be quite vibe. Yeah, probably. You know, centre of London. Why not? Yeah, can make Islington. Make a day trip out of it. <laughs> While hating on Conky. I love that. Hatred and train. I might just chap some shit about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> shit. Well, re- get him where it hurts. Get him where it hurts. If, you, like if you say Arsenal, he's like, yeah, I know. But if you say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he's like, he just starts crying. Maybe that's all the Arsenal fans need to do. <laughs> all the board need to do is literally just go up to a stamp. Buccaneers are shit. I'm quitting. <laughs> He's like, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> He's literally facing a hundred million dollar fine. Where all they need to do is just say, "Yeah, mate, you team of crap." <laughs> uh, but I think on that note, I've been Ben. I have also been Ben. Thank you very much for listening. Big shout out to all those fans who got out there and protested. And we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please follow us on Spotify, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, wherever you can find us. Give us a follow, and we'll see you next time. All love. Both. Both. Hello. It's me. I'm in California dreaming about her life. I go over everything. Hello from the other side. I'm assessing you from a thousand miles to tell you I'm sorry for everything I've done. I don't know, baby.